the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingship is not of this world. If my kingship were of this world, my servants would fight, that I might not be handed over to the Jews. But my kingship is not from this world. Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. This is the gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Again, the collect for this day. Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things in your well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. I hope this morning I might be able to talk to you to some degree as just brothers and sisters in Christ um, in as much as I'm speaking to you from a priestly position and one who has been ordained to have the authority to also proclaim the word of God. And I think I want to start here a little bit off script to, to say that my soul has been deeply troubled this last week. And, and it's a spiritual disturbance. Um, and it's as, it's as deep as I've ever felt it in my life. I, I don't quite know what God is doing. Um, because I, we can look out in the world and, and we can see uh, atrocious things happening. And, and they, they, if we care at all, they make us weep and, and wail and, and gnash our teeth. Because I, I don't know where we got the idea that... that because we were born in a certain place to a certain set of parents that were somehow privileged above all other people on the earth. We're, we're dealing with human beings. And, and we're dealing with human beings who are created by God, who are loved by God, and, and who are simply blinded and... and unable to hear the truth for, for whatever circumstantial reason, that's true. I've, I've studied a lot about human history. I've studied a lot about different religions. And I think what troubles me equally is, is not just the observance of humanity and, and hatred, but, but the answers. We, why do we look to politics to solve the problem? Why do we think that blowing people back into the Middle Ages is going to do anything? And, and please don't hear me. I'm not some naive human being. We, we defend ourselves and we protect ourselves, but, but, but we grow terrorism just fine in a democratic nation that manages to blow up people in schools and movie theaters and shopping malls. We, we do just fine. And, and I think it was the colic that started troubling my soul. 
whose will it is to restore all things. And, and that means something is desperately broken. And I hope as people of God, you recognize with me that there is a desperate brokenness in this world. And that God, God's desire is to restore all things even in Jesus Christ. In a world that is, as the college prays, divided and enslaved by sin. My friends, if we don't believe that sin is the root of what we're dealing with, then, then we're the ones who are missing the mark. French, Kenyans, Nigerians, name it. Americans, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I'm afraid that sometimes Christians, and I'm speaking broadly about Christians, we fall short in understanding what the problem is, and we fall short in seeing what the solutions are. Our home is not here. We can't subdivide ourselves into cultures and, and politics and political structures and expect that that will do any good. We're the church, and he's our king. And what we're dealing with is the world and the flesh and the devil. And it turns out that's the same way that the Old Testament Israelites saw it. You were either Jewish or you were Gentile. Whatever nation you lived in and whatever false god you served, if you were not Jewish, you were Gentile. Listen to the answers the people are giving. That, that let's, let's eliminate religion. That's not the answer. Let's, let's find a way to coexist among different religions. Is that what Jesus came to die for? That we would just coexist with different ideologies? Whether it's Islam or rank secularism in the United States? I, I don't think so. And I've wrestled with myself all week long about saying these kinds of things to you because this pulpit is not my personal psychotherapeutic mechanism where I can just stand up here and rant about things that, that I think are wrong. So I don't want to carry on without grounding us in Scripture because what really spoke to my heart this week was Daniel. And, and the book of Daniel, and what was going on in the book of Daniel, and, and what Daniel said, and how Daniel lived, and what that meant. We heard about it in Sunday school. We were dealing with the time of exile in the Old Testament. Why was it that the Jews were in exile? What caused that to happen? Well, well they, didn't, they didn't look outward and blame the other kings and blame the other cultures. They looked inward. That was the job of the prophets, was to call them first back to the law so that when they got dragged off in, in slavery in a foreign land under a foreign king in a, in a foreign culture with a foreign religion, well, they didn't say that it was Nebuchadnezzar's fault. The prophets stood up and they said, it's, it's the people who know better. It's the covenant people of God who broke the law, who didn't keep the covenant, who divided themselves into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And my friends, I think what the prophets prophetically said to the Old Testament have everything to say about us in the New Covenant. I've said this before. Why do we expect the world, the flesh, and the devil 
to be anything other than the world and the flesh and the devil. We cannot because they will not. It's the people of God and the church of God who are supposed to know better. What are we supposed to do? How shall we live? What has God called us to be about? What kept moving in my heart? Is it possible? Is it possible that the church is experiencing its own Babylonian exile right now in our day, in our time? Is it possible that because the church is divided, and you've heard me say this a million times, is it possible that because the church is divided into 40,000 denominations, and we'll find anything and everything to disagree about, that that's part of the problem? Is it possible that because we sometimes don't look intentionally different than the world, the world doesn't know how to find us? They don't, they don't know what to look for. And so I thought about Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And, and there they were, dragged off with their brother and sister Israelites into a foreign land, living under a foreign king and a foreign rule with a foreign religion and a foreign culture. And what happened? They were raised up by God, Daniel and these three men. They were raised up by God and they were given by this foreign king every opportunity to live like the foreign king in the foreign culture with the foreign religion, and they said no. I, I, just, have to, I just have to read this. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the royal rations of food and wine, and so he asked the palace master to allow him not to defile himself. Now God allowed Daniel to receive compassion from the palace master. The palace master said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king, and he has appointed your food and your drink. If he should see you in the poorer condition than the other young men of your own age, then you would endanger my head with the king. And Daniel asked the guard, Please test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetable to eat water and to drink. You can then compare our appearance with the appearance of the young men who eat the royal rations and deal with your servants according to what you observe. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. And at the end of the ten days, it was observed that they appeared better and fatter than all the young men who had been eating the royal rations. My friends, that's remarkable. That's remarkable. They resolved these Israelites to not live in a foreign land under a foreign king with a foreign religion and a foreign culture. They rejected that, even though they were there. They resolved to live according to how God commanded them to live. And it bore fruit. It goes on. And it says, to them was given wisdom and favor as a result of their obedience to God. And it goes on from there. They're tested again. This king, Nebuchadnezzar, issues a decree. And he says, everyone, everyone must bow down to the golden calf, essentially. This golden monument that he created. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, and entire musical ensemble 
shall fall down and worship the golden statue, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And now there are certain Jews among you whom you have appointed over the fairs of the province of Babylon. These pay no heed to you, O king. They do not serve your gods, and they do not worship the golden statue that you have set up. And what does the king do? You remember this surely from your Sunday school lessons. What does he do? He starts a fire. He sets up a furnace. And he says, okay, if you guys aren't going to bow down to me and my culture and live by my ways and my rules and follow our religion, then we'll throw you into the furnace. And he says, not only are we going to throw you into the furnace, but we're going to make the furnace seven times hotter than it otherwise would be. Seven times hotter than it otherwise would be. So that as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel are being led to the fire, the soldiers who are leading them, the scriptures say, were consumed and burned up because the fire was so hot. And what happened in that fire? The king looks into the fire. The pagan king. And he says, there's someone else in there. And he looks like a son of the gods. How is it possible that these men are living through this fire that's seven times hotter than it otherwise should be? And who is this son of man that's in there with him? A, a pagan king in a pagan culture following a pagan religion saw something miraculously different about these men who would not bend the knee to these false gods. And if you think that's really powerful, my friends, let me tell you what's really powerful. For this was their testimony as they were entering into the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king as he was preparing to throw them into the fire. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. In other words, we're not going to stand up for our God and cause a bunch of ruckus and rancor and, and throw a fit about it. We have no need to defend ourselves. If our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from this furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. And now it gets powerful. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statues that we have set up or that you have set up. We live where we live and we live in the culture that we live with the government that we have. But that's not the totality of human history. The totality of human history is the, is the prophecy that, that Daniel had, the, the vision that he had, that we read from Scripture this morning that said, on the heels of these two testimonies, as I watched, thrones were set in place, and an ancient one took his throne. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, and its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued... And flowed out from his presence. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood attending him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. 
I watched them because of the noise of the arrogant words that, that the horn was speaking. And as I watched, the beast was put to death and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. As I watched in the night, I saw visions. I saw one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. To him was given dominion and glory and kingship that all the peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away. His kingship is one that shall never be destroyed. That son of man who met Daniel in that fire as he stood firm for the one true and living God was given to Daniel again in a vision that he would be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. 600 years after that, he showed up on the earth as a suffering servant, died on a cross for the forgiveness of the sins of the whole world, was risen from the dead three days later, ascended into heaven, and he's coming back. And every eye shall see him. Every person that pierced him. That This is the God of human history. There's not some other God. There's not some other religion. There's not some government that's going to fix the problem or economic culture that we can create that's going to solve it. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we serve him. We can't look like the world. We can't do it. How will they know where to find Jesus if we do everything but serve Jesus? How will they know where to find us if we're not here on Sunday? We must stop bowing down to the gods of this culture. They don't look like golden calves. They look like things that try to distract us from Sunday morning worship. This is the most important hour we spend every week of our lives. This is it. Don't let someone drag you off into another activity, how, no matter how good it sounds. This is where we hear the Word of God. This is where we meet Him in communion every Sunday. This is where it happens. Drag the world into this place. Show them where the one true living God is. And work like crazy with other Christians who have the same basic, basic faith and morals, whatever denomination they are, that we might get it right. Because here's the prayer that Daniel prayed for his people. And it breaks my heart. And I can't read it without sobbing and wailing because it's me he's talking to. And I guess I'll leave us here unless God gives me something else. Then I, Daniel, turned to the Lord God to seek an answer by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, Ah, Lord, great and awesome God, keeping covenant and steadfast love with those who love you and keep your commandments. We have sinned and done wrong. We have acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Funny how the prophets were the ones who were always killed. Because they dared to stand up for the one true and living God and proclaim his name, come what may, to anyone who would listen and even those who would not. 
Righteousness is on your side, O Lord. But open shame, as at this day, falls upon us, the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. Open shame, O Lord, falls on us, our kings, our officials, and our ancestors, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by following his laws, which he set before us, and by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. So the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we sinned against you. Fire me after this sermon if you want to. But please don't walk out of here and say that was a nice sermon, Father Chris. Walk out of here and ask God, how am I supposed to live? We may never see the reunification of the church, but are there men like Daniel who are willing to stand up in a pagan land under a foreign government amidst false religions and be like Daniel? Are there those among us who are willing to do that? That's the only question we should ask ourselves. This in every Sunday morning, this in every day, this hour in every moment of our lives. Am I doing what's pleasing in your sight? And then come what may, when we're given the opportunity to bear witness to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you can be sure that there will be a fire, a test, a furnace of some sorts that will be thrown into. One of our prophetic prayers said this last Tuesday, we've got to realize, friends, that we can't just run around saying, I've read the end of the book, we win. That's chicken manure. Never in human history has God waved a magic wand and fixed it. Never in human history. Has God waved a magic wand and suddenly fixed it? He's brought us a Savior to inform us, to transform us, and to conform us, to teach us how to live according to the will of God. When Daniel saw his vision, God didn't wave a magic wand and send all the foreign kings and the foreign cultures away. He called Daniel to stand up among them and speak the truth. And then he called his people Israel out of that bondage. And, and how did they go back into the land of Israel? Not as a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. But this is what trial will do for us. They went back to the land God had promised them as the people of God. And they worked as the book of Nehemiah says, with a shovel in one hand and a sword in the other defending each other side by side as they worked to rebuild the kingdom. That's what they did. That's our call. This is our king. And he's the only one we should ever swear allegiance to. Period. And the standing invitation is for us to be his people. And the only question we should ask ourselves is, Lord, is my life pleasing in your sight?
love you so deeply. And I'm so thankful that you've chosen to be a part of this covenant community. Count the cost. We will be faithful to Jesus.